So have you ever been, um, if you've been around church for a while, maybe you have, have you ever been in a prayer line? You know when people come out to the front and then there are various people who are going down the line doing the praying? You ever been in that situation? Have you ever been stood in the prayer line looking at the people coming down the line doing the praying and worked out who you hope will be the person to pray for you? I know probably none of you have ever done that because you know that all prayers are equally valid and you wouldn't be so shallow as to be caught up with the style of the prayer. I mean, you know, it's probably only me who's ever thought, you know, that one's like praying really fervently and powerfully and the people all seem to shake when they pray for them. But that other one, they're a bit kind of like, they don't really seem very interested. Actually, they look like they're a bit distracted. They're probably thinking about the dinner that's on back home. Have you ever, have you ever, you know, someone says, I'll pray for you, and you're like, yeah, all right, thanks. Or, you know, someone says, I've been praying for you, and you're like, yeah, that's nice. Um, But then somebody else says, I've been praying for you, and suddenly you're like, wow, they've been praying for me. It's silly, really, isn't it? But then on the other hand, we do know, don't we, that some people seem to have a particular grace for praying. Some people just seem to have real faith for praying and they, you know, God hears all of our prayers. It's just some people seem further down the road on their prayer journey, don't they? So there's some people, when they say, I'm going to pray for you, you know that they're actually going to pray for you. You know that they're actually going to invest their time and their energy and their effort and it, and it means something to you because you know they're a faithful prayer And they're going to pray well for you. Um, So there are certain people, I love you all, but there are certain people in this congregation that they say to me, I'm praying for you, and I know they're really going to spend time praying for me. Well, today we're going to look at the time when Jesus prayed for you. So if you imagine you're in the prayer line and suddenly you see that Jesus is there in the flesh and he's one of the prayers. You're going to hope, aren't you, that when it gets to you, it's Jesus and not the other person that's in the prayer line praying alongside them. You're going to hope that you get Jesus, aren't you? But the truth is that Jesus prayed for every single one of us in John chapter 17. John 17, we have the details of a prayer. I'm sure he's prayed many other prayers for us. But in John chapter 17, we have got the details of a prayer that Jesus definitely prayed for you. Isn't that amazing? Just let that sink in for a moment. Jesus prayed for you, specifically for you. And we're going to look at that together. So if you would turn to John chapter 17. We're going to um, read the whole of John 17, but we're going to take it in three different um, sections. So first of all, it's kind of like an introduction in John 17, 1 to 5. It says this. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, 
the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus prays and he says, Father, you've given me all this glory so that I can bring glory to you. The introduction to what Jesus is about to pray for us is Jesus setting the scene for us and he says, Father, I've I've been here in this world and you've given me all of this glory so that I can... I can do what you sent me to do, and I can bring glory and honor to you. So Jesus sets what he's about to pray for us in the context of bringing glory to God. What do we mean by that? Well, that's what we mean when we talk about making Jesus famous. It means to bring glory, to bring to bring that sense of wow, that sense of awe and wonder and amazement, everything that is glorious about God. It's everything that's wonderful and spectacular and amazing. It's, it's everything that takes your breath away about God. And Jesus says, you've given me some of that wow. You've given me some of that, oh my goodness. And you've given that to me so that I can bring that to you. So that when people look at me, they can be in awe of who you are. And Jesus says this. He says, because because knowing you, God, knowing you, Father, that is eternal life. Now, we think about eternity and we tend very quickly to think about an amount of time. We think about an infinite amount of time. We think about time that just goes on and on and on and on. It's everlasting. And we think about that when we think about eternity. And that is one aspect of eternity. But, but that word actually has so much more meaning than just a never-ending amount of time because eternity speaks about the perfection of God. So it's as much about quality as it is about quantity. So when we talk about eternal life, as much as implying that we will never die and we will just go on living and living and living and living, what God has not got in store for us is living and living and living in a boring, mediocre, or even troublesome, suffering kind of life. The kind of eternal life, you see, the eternity of God is all to do with his kingdom, with his authority, with his perfect rule and reign. So it's life as it was always supposed to be. So not only is it never ending, but it's perfect in quality. So life, the very best kind of life, the life to the full that Jesus said he'd come to bring us, life in all its abundance, Jesus, in this prayer, defines it as this. He says, to know you, God, to know you, not not to know about you. Jesus isn't saying, if you get a PhD in theology, then that's eternal life. Jesus is saying, knowing God, being in relationship with God, knowing him personally in the most intimate kind of knowledge that you could have of a person, knowing God... That is the perfect quality of life that you were created for. 
And so that's why he says, I'm bringing glory and wonder and wow to you so that people can look at me and they can know you. Because I want everyone to have eternal life. I want everyone to have the kind of life that they were made for. If you're visiting us this morning and you don't know God, I want to tell you this. We believe with all of our heart that God made you to know him. God made you to have a relationship with him. God made you to know the joy and the wonder of seeing how spectacular, how good, how kind, how loving he really is. God made you to know the security of being in relationship with him. We sing God is in control. We're not saying that God micromanages every detail of your day. Bad things still happen to us. People still do wrong things to us. We still go through trials. We still make mistakes. But what we're saying is that in the overall picture of things, we realize that God has got us in his hands. And that even through our mistakes and even through our challenges and even through the things that people do to us, we know that this is going to work out because God is on his throne. And he's good. And he's kind and he's loving. And we believe that God made you to know that kind of relationship with him. And this is the truth. That when you look at Jesus, you see him. You see God. You see the God who can be known because God didn't stay distant and far off wondering if one day we might work it out, whether we might study the scriptures well enough to work out who he is and what he's like. But he said, no, I'm going to come to you. In the real person, the real human being, flesh and blood of my own son, Jesus Christ, God himself, God the Son, and a miracle that kind of melts our brains and we don't quite understand how God can be one God and at the same time Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But God himself comes to us in the person of his Son and says, this is what I'm like. Jesus makes God famous. And then in John 17 and verse 6, he carries on. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them, and they knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me. For they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And the glory and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. And none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. 
have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Wow, Jesus prays a lot for us in these verses. He prays God's protection on us. He says, I'm going to be coming out of the world now. He knows he's going to go to the cross. He knows that through his death on the cross, he's going to demonstrate God's perfect, unfailing love for us. His passionate, heartfelt desire to be in relationship with us. It is the cross that reconciles us in relationship with God. That makes it possible for us, all of us, who one way or another rejected God's desire for passionate love relationship with us. We went our own way, we did our own thing, but at the cross we find God saying, I am not giving up on you. And while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, while we were still going our own way, doing our own thing, Christ died for us and put the perfect love of God on display for us. Knowing that he would go through that, knowing that he would die, knowing that he would be raised to life on the third day, and knowing that he would ascend back into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father, he prayed and he said, I'm going to be going out of this world, but I'm not taking them out of this world. They're going to be staying in this world. He prayed, even as you sent me into this world, I'm sending them into this world. So I'm praying protection. Now the first time he says it, he says, I pray that you'll protect them, that they may be one. Now I'm going to come on to that in a bit. And then he says, I'm praying protection on them as I send them into the world in the same way that I was sent. Now, when someone prays protection for you, there is a slight implication, isn't there? If Jesus, who's pretty well clued up on the plan and purpose of God, decides that it will be necessary to pray for our protection kind of implies that not everything about our lives is going to be a walk in the park. I'm sure there are many walks in the park along the way, and let's enjoy every one of them. But actually, there's going to be some stuff that we need protecting from as well. We need our eyes open, don't we? We need to be wise. We need to understand. You see, God never said, well, you know, come to me and I will make everything just fall into place in front of you. In fact, one of the things that Jesus said to his disciples was, in this world, you will have trouble. Wow, that's a great verse, isn't it? I bet not many of you have got that on a poster on your wall. You don't, it's not the ones we write out and put up everywhere, is it? But in this world, you will have trouble. I pray protection for them. Because actually, Jesus doesn't treat you like a little kid. He doesn't treat you like someone that needs to be kind of all wrapped up in, in protective wrapping and, and kept at home and, and kept on a shelf just in case it gets damaged. But actually, he sends you out into the real world. He sends you into your workplace 
where sometimes people say mean things. He sends you into your neighborhood where there are real problems. He sends you into your families where sometimes there are people who don't believe what you believe. He sends you into difficult situations where there are awkward conversations. Some people might even take a real disliking to you because of your faith and what you represent. He sends you into situations when you have to deal with stuff in your character that suddenly you become aware, oh my goodness, that is not how I should be. And maybe you struggle with that. I mean, we all love the testimonies where every single thing just got broken in an instant. And as I went down into the water, I came up and I realized, you know, I no longer had all these addictions. And, I know, and that's amazing and that happens sometimes. But sometimes people have to work really hard. And sometimes people have to keep working on issues and keep believing and keep holding on to God in faith. Sometimes it isn't instant. Sometimes there are challenges, but Jesus prayed protection for you. So it shouldn't surprise you, and it shouldn't surprise me, when not everything goes my way. It shouldn't surprise you, and it shouldn't surprise me, when sometimes it feels awkward, or sometimes it feels painful. That is not proof that things are going wrong. Jesus prayed protection for you. Jesus prayed that God would protect you and keep you safe. It's an amazing prayer that Jesus prayed. He prayed that God would sanctify you by the truth. He says, I've given them your word. I've given them the word of God. Now through that word, sanctify them. Make them holy. Jesus prayed for the ongoing work of God in our lives. That he, as he sent us into the world, that God would keep working on our lives. Aren't you relieved that that's the case? Because otherwise, like after the first time you got sent into the world, and then you realized there were still one or two things that weren't entirely perfect about your life, then it'd be like, oh, well, something must have gone wrong. Game over. Yeah, I better not go again. I better just, you know, I better just struggle through life and keep coming to church and try and feel better about No, no. The fact that it's an ongoing process, the fact that God is still working in your life. Jesus prayed, I'm sending them, but I'm praying that you will keep sanctifying them, that you'll keep working in them, that you'll keep bringing glory to yourself. Jesus prayed for your protection. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing in sending you into your world. Jesus knew what your workplace is like. Jesus knew what your family is like. Jesus knew what your street in your neighborhood is like. He knew if you'd live in a not-so-great part of town. He knew if you'd live in a really amazing part of town where everyone thought that they had everything that they needed and had no time for God. He knew everything, and yet he sent you He prayed for your protection. He didn't send you oblivious of the challenges that you would face. So don't think those challenges mean something has gone wrong. But embrace, embrace that we live in a tough and challenging world. But Jesus sent you anyway, and he prayed for your protection. Let's carry on reading in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. This is great because it just goes to prove you could have thought, well, maybe that was just for the disciples. But Jesus makes it clear. My prayer is not for them alone. 
I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me and I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. So Jesus prays for us May we be in God just as the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father. See, sometimes we we see, sometimes in your Bibles it might say Jesus' prayer for unity and, and we jump straight away to thinking he's praying for how we get on with one another in the church. And this passage certainly has implications for how we get on with one another in the church, but it's not what Jesus is primarily addressing here. He's actually addressing our unity with him, our union with him. The fact that God brings us into relationship with himself, that he invites us into the relationship that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that absolutely stunning? God the creator and sustainer of all things, who is in perfect relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, said, you know what? The one thing we'd like to add to what we've got going on here is you. The one thing we'd like to add. Jesus prays, oh, Father, I want them to be one with us just as we are one. And he makes it really clear, doesn't he? In case we would think, Well, that just sounds like heretical. That just sounds like, how can we be in God? He says, in the same way that you're in me, I want them to be in me, and I want to be in them. That's amazing. No wonder then that he says, I've given them the glory that you gave to me. Jesus is saying, I want them to be so in us, because I know and I understand that that true life, eternal life, is knowing you, God. Life as it's supposed to be is knowing you. So if I've come out of the world, having come to show humanity who you are so that they can have eternal life, if I've now come out of the world, then I'm going to send them into the world. And Father, it's so important that I would be in them and they would be in me just as you're in me and I'm in you. Because just like I was here to put everything that's true about you on display, so also now they're here. So it's really important to me. This is why he's praying that you'll be protected. This is why he's praying that you'll be sanctified, so that the world can look at you, can look at us. Because this is the, the really amazing thing, and this is where we all go, phew, because he's not saying you've got to do it on your own. 
He's saying that together as the church, together as the people of God, that the world would be able to look at us and that he would be so in us and we would be so in him. And this work of sanctification would be going on in our lives that the world would see something. Something of the wow of God. Something, some aspect of the church, something about how we put him on display would bring glory and honor to God. Jesus has given us the glory that the Father gave him so that we can have complete unity. Unity that is Jesus in us just as the Father is in Jesus. And then, then he says, then the world will see that you've loved them even as you love me. Then the world will see. Because what Jesus perfectly reveals about God is ultimately love. That's what the Bible tells us. God made known his love for us through his son, Jesus Christ. He manifested his love. God says about himself, if he was to sum himself up in a word, it would be love. The thing that Jesus shows us so perfectly about God is the incredible nature and quality of his love. So who remembers the royal wedding and that amazing message from Bishop Michael Curry? Any of you see that? Google his message if you didn't see it. He was quite animated. He, 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 was, he was preaching up a storm, wasn't he? And, and poor Hugh Edwards on the BBC was all, oh, 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 afterwards. But he said, I won't try and mimic him, but he was all. And he said, I, just, I guess I just did, didn't I? Um, he talked about the way of love. The incredible way of love. God's love. Not, not mushy, gushy, theoretical, paperback romance novel kind of love, but real love in our real world that changes situations. Love that can bind up the brokenhearted. Love that can give hope to those for whom all hope has gone. Love that can restore. Love that brings honor where there was only guilt and shame. Love that embraces those who have been rejected. Love that stoops down low and gets messed up and dirty and is willing to sacrifice in order to lift up those who are broken and downtrodden. Love that can bring hope in our world. Love that can transform our world. Real love. Not our kind of made-up idea of love that never challenges anything, that always hides away from confrontation. Because as well as being told that love is patient and kind and gentle, and we're also told that love does not rejoice in evil, but always rejoices in the truth. Jesus so perfectly demonstrated for us, didn't he? His, his just amazing acceptance of people. People who were racked with guilt and shame somehow found it possible to come and find mercy in Jesus. They came to him, 
the broken, the rejected, those whose society thought weren't good enough, those who the religious leaders had written off and looked down their noses and sneered at them, and yet they came in their brokenness, in their, in their fragility, in their vulnerability, and they came to Jesus and they found love. And Jesus was able to do that without denying the truth. He was still holy. He was still righteous. And yet he offered those who were broken and separated from God a chance to know what it is to live a holy, righteous life. A life at peace with God. A life in relationship with God. Jesus defines true life. Eternal life as knowing God, being one with God. To know God is to be truly alive. And this is what God wants for everyone. He wants it for everyone. He wants it for everyone who works where you work. He wants it for everyone who lives on your street. He wants it for everyone in your family. He wants every man, woman, and child in this city to know him, to have relationship with him, to know the kind of life that he made them for. And so he sent Jesus. He said, look at Jesus and you'll see my love. And so Jesus sent you and he prayed for you, that God would protect you, that God would sanctify you, that God would bring you into unity with himself so that the world could look at you and see his love. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Notice how before Jesus prayed, didn't he? And he said, this is eternal life to know God. And now John is saying, he's explaining to us, you see, you can't separate life and love. Because knowing God is knowing love. Verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love with words. Let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. And 1 John 4 from verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete 
in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we've seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. What did Jesus pray? That God would be in us and that we would be in God. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Jesus prayed for you that you'd be like him. Jesus prayed for you that that God would sanctify you by the word that he has given you. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. My friends, this is why all this year and for the rest of the year and for a long time, we have been going on about and will go on about loved lovers loving others. It's all about the love of God. The world needs to know about the love of God. Your friends in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your community, back home where you've come from, in your family, those people, those you know and you love dearly, those who are far off, those you bump into, those people need to know about the love of God. They need to know how this love transforms and makes whole. They need to know how this love gives hope. They need to know how this love has the power to heal and restore They need to know God longs for them to know the love of God. For as we embrace the love of God in our lives, so transformation begins to take effect. Transformation begins to take effect in our family, in our society, like yeast working its way for a batch of dough that completely transforms it so it doesn't look the same anymore. God has sent you to live a life of love, to know his love, to be transformed by his love, to behold the wow, the wonder, the amazement. How could you love me so? When I was still against you, when I was still doing my own thing, when I didn't care about you, when I was rejecting you, when I was even persecuting those who loved you, when I was saying unkind things, whatever it was, when I was still far off, you came after me. You decided that I should see that you loved me. And do you know what? For many of us, we saw it in someone else saw it in someone else. We saw his love taking effect in someone else's life. Not many of us here have had an apparition of the ascended Lord Jesus coming and telling us face to face. Most of us saw him in somebody else. Most of us saw him in his church. Him in us. Us in him. My friends, we are not just playing at church. Eternal life is at stake. 
Living a life of love, living a life in close, intimate relationship with God, it's not just nice. Eternal life is at stake. We are living eternal life. And God has sent us into this world to live that life of love that everyone around you would see it. Jesus prayed for me that God's love that has been made known through Jesus would be made known in and through my life. You see the people coming down the prayer line and you wonder, what will they pray for me? Sometimes you hope it'd be a really good word, really exciting. I'm just going to pray, Lord, you take them on new adventures. I pray you give them lots of money along the way. I pray you give them a mansion, a private jet. What will they pray for me? This is what Jesus prayed for you. This is what Jesus prayed for you. That God's love, that amazing love made known through Jesus. That incredible demonstration that happened at the cross of God's unfailing, powerful, transforming, eternal love of God would be made known in and through your life, in your real world, in your real circumstances. And he still prays for us.